Chasing the Cover is a monthly podcast where friends and library co-workers, Mary and Jen, review books, study the publishing industry, and try to unlock the secrets behind every cover. Can you judge a book by its cover? Join Mary and Jen on the case to find out. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Casing the Cover. I am Jen, and I am here with my co-host, Mary, who's totally going to lead this time. Yes, I'm in charge. I just couldn't think of an intro. <laughs> because she read a book. We are a week late because I read the book this week. <laughs> Only one. I didn't read two. We're not doing a double hitter. Ah. And we want to keep this episode fairly short so that I can actually get it out by by a week late and not several weeks late. Um. So let's jump right into it, Jen. Um. This week I read a book that you snuck onto my desk. Yes. Um. It's called The Librarian and the Spy by Susan Mann. <laughs> I will say, first impression, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. There were some things that worked. There were some things that were meh, but it wasn't bad. The cover is awful, especially within the context of the actual story. And so I want to touch on that Um so let me share my screen with you, Jen, so you can see what we're looking at. This is the cover, and I have the other two covers, too. Can, can you see it, Jen? Not yet. It's still loading. But I, I vaguely remember that it was... There you go. Yes. It's incredibly stock photo-y. So the premise of this book is that the main character, whose name is, I believe she goes by Quinn, because her name is Quincy, because her and all of her siblings are named after presidents. Why are parents cruel? Because her father was in the military, apparently. Which checks out. But, um, and even though she has, she has a brother named John Adams, they named her Quincy. So she's Quincy Adams, I guess. It's dumb. Um, there are a lot of things about this book that I'm like, like, I don't, it's hard to explain. The general plot works okay. But then there's these details that the author will just throw in that are completely unnecessary and don't make any sense in the context. And the the biggest the biggest one I will get to momentarily. But so the plot of this book is that Quincy is a librarian and one day while she's librarianing, a man comes up to her and wants her to help him study a brooch because he wants help researching it. And so the first thing that gives me pause about this book is that Quincy has my job. I work at a reference desk in a library and that is her job in this book. She's a reference librarian. And it's really weird reading a version of your job that doesn't quite line up to what you're used to. Does that make sense? Yes. And so that's not really necessarily a complaint of the author. And I'm aware that not every library does things the way our library does things. And there are some libraries where you can afford to have just one person at a reference desk and that's it. And that's all. And you have multiple librarians that just do reference desk and nothing else. We don't, we don't, we don't work at that kind of library. So it's weird to have somebody who's like, oh yeah, I did my two hours on the reference desk. And then I went and sat at my desk the rest of the day. And I mean, I do that, but I'm doing something. Right. She's got nothing else to do. Correct. And so this man, his name is James something. He's got like three different last names in this book. So I don't remember which one he uses. He comes up to her and says, oh, hey, you know, I need... I need help researching this brooch. I work for an insurance company and they've appraised or they're appraising it independently, but I also want to do my own research to see if what they're telling us is true. La 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 da da. Okay, fine. He's British, first of all. So he's a British man. They're in California, I believe is where this takes place, if I'm correct. And so she helps him and then he disappears for a few days and she's really sad that he's gone because he's really cute. And like, I feel for her, a, a British man coming to your library to ask you for help. Sure, why not? Total fantasy, right? Right. Yes. 
That's exactly all this is so far. I'd be down with that. And then he comes back and her boss gets like mad because she's like, oh, that guy's here to flirt with you again. And he, she gets kind of pissy about him monopolizing Quinn's time. So to fix it, James says, well, what if I give your friend's organization, which for those of you who don't know, a friend's organization is basically the organization that will like partner with the library to raise money for the library. Yes. yes. It's kind of like a booster club for a library. Wait, a of- so this is referenced in this book that yes. there's a booster club for the library? That they have a friend's club. They have a friend's, yeah. So he oh my gosh. he volunteers to donate. There's a lot of weird librarian jargon in this book that's spot on, even though the rest of the librarian stuff is like, huh? So he tells her boss, well, you know, if you let me monopolize her time, all of her time, every hour that she is at work, I will pay your friend's organization $2,000. And she does. The, the, the boss goes, yeah, sure. So her boss prostitutes her out <laughs> for a friend's donation. I mean, let's be honest. If somebody offered certain people in our library two grand to monopolize our time, you, <laughs> they might actually go for it. No. And the, so like <laughs> the beginning of the book, it's like, yeah, she's working reference and oh, she's doing the, the you know, the librarian inquiries on the, on the website and she's sending people emails and she's finding the book that the kid needs or whatever. I'm like, yeah, okay. It's not exactly how we do things, but this is a believable reference librarian. And then her boss goes, yes, you can give me $2,000 for me to pimp this girl out to you without without her having any say in it. I mean, like, she does want to go hang out with the hot British guy, but she's not included in this conversation about giving the Friends organization money in order to monopolize her time. It just hits really weird. And then they immediately are, he's like, okay, well, now that I've paid for you, let's go to lunch. What? Okay, then he, they really are, like, prostituting her out. Uh-huh. Also, like, I'm, it is the most fantasy version of, like, somebody who works in a library. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, so does Susan Mann work in a library? I don't know. I didn't look that far into it. Part of me thinks that maybe she did or she does or she has some point of reference or she did just enough research on how librarians libraries function that she like knew certain things because there was stuff in this book that like even I don't know and to be fair I don't have my MLS I didn't go to librarian school so like I don't have ISBN the you know the structure of an ISBN memorized I know the structure of an ISBN didn't you used to own like an online bookstore yes but also I I did go get my certification in library stuff yeah I haven't done that also it's really cool the more the more like jargony technical aspects of some of the stuff I don't really know but she obviously knew enough to include them in the book. So I'm not gonna like assume she doesn't know what she's talking about, but the whole let me buy you off from your friend's organization kind of made me think that she doesn't know how libraries work because there's no way in hell you could get away with doing that, right? Well, either that or she just needed a way to like make it work and make a believable plot. Well, but there's a way to make it work. I know how to fix this. Like I have literally already fixed this in my mind. <gasps> tell us how you fix it. Okay, so well, I have to tell you a little more about the story first. Okay. So they established very early on that Quin- Quincy or whatever her name is. What did I say her name is? Quinn or whatever she goes by. She's broke, right? She lives in a crappy apartment. She has no money. She's eating mac and cheese so that she can pay for Christmas presents. She's broke. Accurate. So yeah, that is accurate. She has a master's degree and no money. Um, So why not establish that she meets this guy in the library? He comes in and says, hey, I need your help researching these pieces of art 
for this estate that I'm working on. And she goes, well, I can't help you right now. And he goes, you know what? Tell you what, you have some time after work. I will pay you as a consultant to come help me. And then she goes, yeah. And then she spends all her time outside of work, working a second job, because that's also accurate. Right. To, to help him with this. And then she gets the money instead of it going to her friend's organization. So then like, you know, she has motivation to take the money and take that second side job because they established in the book that she's broke. So that's right. why this doesn't work for me as a concept of him paying off her boss. And I get like, he's supposed to be debonair and it's like, oh, look at this money I have in my wallet. I'm just going to throw it at your boss. Throw it at her. Give, right. give, give her the money. Yeah, that like, would make so much more sense. And also would not be such a dick move. Right. Kind of a dick move. And the way that they established this character, like for the most part, he's really not a dick. So like this, this being his first like major moment in this book of this kind of like, yeah, I'm going to buy you off from your boss. It just, it feels so out of place in the rest of the book it is my biggest bitch about this whole book. Like is, weird flex, dude. Weird flex. Yeah, is that he buys her <laughs> off like and then he ends up seeing her outside of work. Like she still takes her Saturdays and her evenings to go help him with this stuff. And she's not getting paid for it. Her boss got paid off so that he would, she could go work with him during her work hours. But then she's also going out with him on the weekends to help him. And she's not getting paid for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm out there too. Nope. It makes no sense in the context of the book. So that's like the beginning, the setup, right? She's helping this guy. He's real estate appraiser or whatever. He works for an insurance company. She's supposed to be helping him research all these art pieces. And of course, she's falling in love with him all along the way. Because of course she is. And they go and they see the art collection in person. And she finds a letter in some secret drawer of a, of a clock. And the next night, he finally asks her on a date. And when they get back from the date, her entire apartment has been ransacked. And there's two dudes there and they're stealing her shit. And she beats one of them up with a library book, which is really, or with an encyclopedia, which is pretty good. And then she wants to call the cops and he tells her no. And she tries to run away and he shoots her with a dart. And then she, what? She wakes up with, in a cabin in the middle of nowhere because he's a spy and she, his cover is blown, right? And so it turns out he's not really British, which was kind of a disappointment. Oh. And he works, he works for the CIA. So this is where I would like to pause. And I want you to look at this cover with me, Jen. Yes. And tell me what part of this man's outfit makes him look A, British, or B, like a spy? They went to a cabin, so he's just for the cabin. No, no, <laughs> no. This cover is these two stock art models. There's a blonde lady and like a brunette guy with a beard. And they're just standing in some front of some fuzzy background in an embrace. He is wearing a pink and blue plaid shirt. Also, he doesn't have a beard. He has like, like stubble. Yeah, he looks kind of like a lumberjack, but like his lumberjack print is in pastels. And she's wearing a uh, like a white coat with like fuzz around the trim. So this cover looks more like it was it was made for like a romance novel about like the girl from the big city who goes to the country and falls in love. Yes, it's exactly what it looks like. That's what this is, but they threw it on a spy novel. Like he doesn't look like a spy. I would like to say that upon reading the back cover initially, I'm remembering this now. My initial reading of the back cover, because the names were rather like Quinn is a rather like gender neutral name. It could be a guy. I thought that she was the spy. I thought that Quinn, the librarian, was the lumberjack guy. Oh. Uh. 
and that she was because her jacket looks very spy that would be more appropriate she does look more like the spy in this image than he does he looks like the down on his luck i have no money librarian yeah small town librarian small town librarian who likes to dress for comfort and she looks like the the super cia agent who's undercover as a british pretty girl that's exactly right yes and i would totally read the shit out of that too you are 100 correct of course according to this image we're looking at the special value of this book is 4.99 so they didn't spend that much money on the cover and the thing though i wonder too is these are the two covers for the other two books so the second one is called a covert affair and the third one is called an uncommon honeymoon that doesn't spoil anything <laughs> they look like they look like the same models don't they um not really she looks different that one looks like the first one yeah this this girl looks like the same on the first and third book and the guy looks the same on the first and third book too so yeah. maybe they just lucked and got two but they're wearing like the same outfits as the people on the second cover yeah i don't know but the girl is different looking so i don't like i for I at first thought these were the same models on all three covers. And then I was like, if you went about the, like the point of posing these models for your cover, you should have picked different wardrobe. And the pictures of the extras, the models on the second and third cover, they're just wearing big overcoats, which- Yeah, why are they so overcoaty? Why are they so warm dress? I don't know. Well, the, so in the first book, they go to London for half the book. So- okay big coats i guess i don't know about the second and third book i didn't read them i started reading the second book and i was like you know what i don't care but at least this is more neutral than pink plaid and white fur coat well the whole look of this cover versus the other two is so different it is this is like the pink and fluffy version of those other two covers yeah this 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 cover does not fit what this book is in the least how weird is that i do like the font though <laughs> It's kind of that skinny font. So after she wakes up in this cabin and he explains to her that he's a spy and he's not really British and the art collection they were praising belongs to some terrorist who bought the collection from a different terrorist and there's a rumor that some sort of directions for a secret weapon stash are hidden in the art collection. And also James's co-worker, like co-spy, I don't know what you call that, associate ben who was their resident librarian because apparently ben is also a librarian and he's been doing most of the research for james like in london because they're kind of the guy lives in london but his estates in america and i don't get it but whatever so okay. ben who was his researcher has gone missing and ben and quincy briefly met over skype or zoom or whatever and so he gets this email from ben and it's a bunch of random numbers and he doesn't understand what it is and then quince quincy looks at it and goes oh wait a minute these are isbn numbers and she's able to decode that they're isbns and figure out what isbn each of the books go to to find a secret message hidden in them so then the cia brings her on to help them find Ben because Ben and her are both librarians so she can understand him and, and solve the mystery in only a way a librarian could solve. So that's kind of how the plot unfolds that she gets tied up in this, which is cheesy. I will give it that. But also it's not like an uncommon plot. Like there's a lot of like cop shows and movies and stuff where the premise is only this person with a very specific set of skills can help us solve this mystery because... Like, have you ever seen Numbers? No. So there's like an FBI agent and his brother and his dad are both mathematicians and they have to hire his brother to help them math their way into solving the mystery. Is this a kid show? 
No, it, it was a detective show on TV. It's not bad. It's pretty good. It sounds like a kid's show. We have to use math. And the brother has to explain to him how math works and, you know, how this theory means that. And, you know, so the whole, the whole, we need a nerd to to figure out the, the secrets for us so that I can go kick butt and shoot things. It's not an uncommon plot device. So I didn't mind it. What bothers me is that the CIA also doesn't pay her. What? <clears throat> she goes undercover for like a couple weeks they go undercover as a couple and they go to london together so that they can try to find ben and she does all the sleuthing and she figures out all the stuff and i think she gets into a couple of fights along the way because also she's a great shot because her dad taught her how to shoot because she was in the military or whatever so she goes along for the ride but at no point do they tell her they're going to compensate her so now she's done two jobs that she's not getting paid for while never doing the job she's actually getting paid for. And the way that James gets her out of this at work is he calls her boss and tells her that he's going to give the library another $5,000. What? So now- I'm so confused why they think that like <laughs> prostitution of library reference people is a thing. I don't know. And so the premise of this book so far is that her job at her library, which I don't know what the average like salary for a librarian is. Like, I don't make that much money as a reference LA. I, I'm assuming librarians make a little more than I do. But so far for like two or three weeks of work, her library has gotten paid $7,000 and she has not gotten paid anything. And now she has to go risk her life to be a pseudo CIA agent while still not getting paid. Yeah, I'm not okay with that. This is never addressed again. <laughs> this is never talked about. So so yeah, like, like I said, the thing that I would fix is, okay, so I'm doing this job on the side, helping this guy out, making a little extra money, and then I get too entangled without realizing it. And then they make me an offer. I, I when, I, when they go, hey, come work for the CIA, instead of going, sure, I want to go to the CIA because this guy's cute. It's, we'll give you 10 grand to come yeah. do this right like money money gets people to do things it wasn't that also hard. like yeah this is because it's a romance novel and not a spy novel because the romance of it is what gets her interested and it yeah. doesn't money means nothing it's fine it, no also no women who read romance novels stop being okay with this <laughs> stop it it's not okay we want money. Yeah, obviously this is my biggest bitch of the book. Like the romance was was okay. It was kind of cute. And like the rest of the book, you know, is not that out of the ordinary. They solve the puzzle. They catch the bad guy. There's some manuscript that's not a real manuscript that they uncover. And she has to know all this specific librarian termage to, in order to solve the mystery. And they meet, you know, a Latin expert to help them. And, you know, it's that kind of crap. It's a, it's a, it's a, it is kind of a standard spy novel. It's, it's kind of a spy novel light, as it were. So the plot's not bad. The characters aren't bad. But this premise of this woman who is struggling for money as established by the author is just drug along on some mission, some life-risking mission and doesn't get paid. Yeah. I can't get behind that. Nope, nope, nope. Especially, I mean, that's a really nice coat. Yeah. He's not broke. They do buy her clo new clothes in the book to make her fit in when she goes to London. 
Um, so I suppose this coat could be part of that wardrobe, but then I wonder why'd they buy the guy who's supposed to be blending in a pink plaid shirt to blend into London while he's on a mission. Is it really pink though, or is it red? Pink. It looks pink. Maybe I think it looks pink because like the little little box that has the title in it is like bright pink. Yeah. It just makes the shirt look more pink. You know what this looks like? These all these pictures with them in the coats and stuff looks like they stole this from some like Land's End catalog or something. It might have. It does. It does look like a like a J Crew catalog. <laughs> they might have. They might have gotten some sort of like stock catalog imagery to do these covers. They look like catalog photos. They do. So that yeah, the cover is off. The cover is absolutely awful. The book is. It's, I'd give it like I don't know, like a six out of ten, a seven out of ten. It wasn't a bad read. It wasn't awful. The biggest gripe for me is that like this really contrived let me pay off the library to get you to work for me thing when you could have just you literally set it up to establish how he gets her to work for him and it wouldn't have it's instead we go this this method of let's do this big stretch over here when we had like a really easy path to making sense. Yeah. And also like her taking a vacation. I mean, why not just take a vacation? Right. And I think she like establishes that like, again, this is established early on in the book that, you know, she doesn't get to travel and she wants to travel, but she can't afford it. And like she goes to her grandfather's birthday party and he tells her, you know, hey, just start putting away five dollars every day and then you'll have enough to go on a trip. So like they could have established, too, that she hasn't had a vacation and since she started her job because she's got student loans and she's so broke and she can't afford to take a weekend off or a vacation day or whatever. Yeah. They could have easily established that. So then, you know, she's got a bank of vacation days to call in and go, hey, by the way, I had a family emergency. I'm going to be out of town for two, three weeks. That's all they had to do. All of that would have been easy. And I want to know, she probably didn't have an editor, but if I were an editor, I would have said, you need to fix this. The library is not prostituting out its reference librarians. <laughs> Fix it. Wow. Yes. That is, that is my biggest gripe. And I guess that's kind of what, like I said, it's weird reading a book about something that you do for a living. And that's the thing that made me think that maybe she is not a librarian because she did enough research to know that like, you know, this is what an ISBN is and this is what a, this thing is and this is what a whatever is. Um, but never actually worked in a library setting where it'd be really easy to understand that you can't just go in and just buy an employee. And honestly, I don't think you need to work in a library to know that that's not okay. Right. Also, like friends organizations, to my knowledge, don't pay the employees at most libraries. No, it's the other stuff. They pay for like, you know, the fun things. Well, and like at our library, they they pay for our programming, but I think at some libraries too, you know, your friend's organization might pay for your bookmobile. They might help you pad out your, your book budget or they help you with expenses of the library, but I don't think they pay for staff. No, no. That's like the job of the city or whatever organization has the library. Right. Pay the staff. We come from a library system where there's like a lot of red tape and a lot of like bureaucracy and hoops. But I also don't think that it'd be the job of my supervisor to take money from some random stranger to then use towards my payroll. Yeah. I don't think that that's how that works. That's not how. So that was my biggest gripe of this book and the bad cover. Um, Besides that, I don't know. There's not much else to say about it. It was kind of cute. I thought about reading the second book and then I realized I don't really care that much. She's 
Um, at the end of the book, she gets a job with the CIA to go be one of their librarians. Um, and then also maybe to become an operative because it turns out her grandfather works for the CIA and he set this whole thing up. Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> Rewind. Yeah, her grandfather works for the CIA as a recruiter and it's it's revealed at the end of the book, the, the very end of the book after they caught the bad guy and they get together and he, you know, he disappears for a month to go catch the bad guy. And then he comes to see her on Valentine's Day, which also they set up at the beginning of the book that it's almost Christmas and they talk about all the ornaments and, you know, she has to buy presents for her family and she goes to visit the family and then you never see the family ever again. And then the end of the book, it's Valentine's Day. They skip Christmas. Um, and he shows up for Valentine's Day and they get together or whatever and it's official and they love each other. And and then she gets a call from from someone at the CIA who's like, oh yeah, I'm a recruiter and we're going to offer you a job. We've been watching you for a while. And it's her grandfather who's calling to offer her a job at the CIA. And he's the one that sent James to find her in the first place because he knew that she specifically would be so good at reference librarying that she could help him solve the mysteries or whatever. What? Not necessary. No, it's not. Again, it could have been he went into a library. He tried to get help. She happened to be the one that helped him a couple more times. And he goes, you know what? I'm going to offer you a job. Can you come meet me after working on Saturday to help me with this project? Right. Also, like, they just freaking this is what they did to ray in star wars what well ray in star wars was just a nobody it was just whatever and then at the very end secret grandfather secret grandfather stop secret grandfathering the heroines well what's what's our favorite word on this podcast jen nepotism secret nepotism secret nepotism stop secret grandfathering stop it <laughs> no one gets a secret grandfather that is not the non fairy tale land fairy godmother thing you do not get secret grandfather he was Chekhov's grandfather they established he existed because she went to his birthday party but that's still secret grandfather it's not okay stop secret grandfathering them Uh I don't like it so yeah so that was the librarian and the spy um by Susan Mann it was fine it wasn't it wasn't (laughs) the worst thing I've ever read it's just it's just it's odd to to read something about your career and go yeah no gosh i love how you're like so that was that that was this book i'm okay with it it didn't totally suck so that was the librarian and the spy who thinks she's a prostitute (laughs) just just that that premise to me is just uh i'm I'm never gonna get over it i'm not gonna get over it jen don't do not get over it we will not be okay with librarian prostitution nor secret grandfathering (laughs) we are not okay with these tropes these are on our veto list. Uh, and that's the rail we're going to jump off on. Yep. <laughs> that was it. That was the book that you waited a whole extra week for. I, I'm i okay with this. Wow. Also, this is the first book that Mary has done in a while. Yeah, I don't remember, remember what the last book I did was. I don't know. I have a laundry list of books, though. I've slowed down on my reading. So you're actually, you have time to catch up with me because... I've been writing my own stories, and so I have not had time to read, at least not as voraciously as I typically do. Well, I made myself sit down and read this one. I actually read it. I actually read a book. I didn't listen to it. They didn't have it on audiobook. Um, and I attempted to read it. Um, Jen also was trying to make me read Pride and Premeditation. Oh, yes. To some sort of, you know, murder, mystery, Pride and Prejudice um, adaptation. And I have seen and read as many jane austen adaptations as you would think a person would ever care to read 
end I read about two pages of it and I could not bear it it was like I've read my fair share of AU fan fiction I know how it works but it's just so off base I'm like it just doesn't I don't know I'll, I'll try to read it I gotta teach Jen, Jen who Jane Austen is yes you gotta educate me on the Jane Austen that would be a good podcast I would like that good episode I don't know. I have a stack over here that I'm like supposed to be reading. I did finally get the tea master and the detective and it's a little book. So maybe I'll get through it. Wow. That was a, that was a while ago. You pulled that one. I know. I know. And I was like, I gotta get it. I gotta get it. But also like some books that I really want, they're on hold and I can't get them. Yeah. That's what happens when we don't actually buy the books we review. We just depend on the library. Well, that's kind of our whole premise, isn't it, Mary? We're keeping ourselves employed. Yeah. Go. And also we are encouraging our listeners to go to your local library. It's okay. But only use the employees for what they're intended for, please. Don't don't start bidding on them for personal use. We would like a cut of that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if someone wants to come and hire me for my subpar reference skills as a side jussle, go for it. Don't don't try to pay my boss. Please don't try to pay my boss. A big shout out to April. Hi, April. I found out April binge watched or binge listened to like everything that we've done. A couple of our coworkers, listen, I think Taylor listens to us. Um, one of our coworkers who is not our boss, he used to be my boss. Jen was like, oh, you should listen to our podcast. He goes, okay. And he takes out his phone and he puts the hot and badgered episode on on speaker <laughs> yes. in, our, in our workplace, in his cubicle, which is like wow. the middle of our staff area. And I'm like, that is not the episode to please be blasting. I don't want to get fired. I love how that's the one he picked. And we're like, no, not that one. I say lots of bad words in them. That one, Jen was counting. And also it's about badgers having sex and stuff. <laughs> Don't play that one. <laughs> oh my God. I tried listening to the second one of those. I'm almost done with it. It's not as good. I'm kind of disappointed, but Aww. that's for another day. Okay, Jen, we should end this episode because our goal is to make it short. So I had less editing to do and it's already 15 minutes long. You're like, well, that's okay. I'm cutting off all of this. So, you know. Well, so that was, that was my, uh, send us more li- bad, bad librarian books. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I'll, we'll do a whole episode on bad librarian books. That'd be awesome. All right. Until next time, everybody. Bye. Goodbye. Thank you so much for cracking another case with Mary and Jen. To learn more about Casing the Cover, follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Casing the Cover. To contact us or suggest a book, email casingthecoverpod at gmail.com. New episodes of Casing the Cover release this fourth Tuesday on YouTube. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher.